How's it going, everyone? I'm Mark. I'm Ian. And this is the Uncaped Crusaders Review. Welcome back to another week of us talking about Batman, different Batman mediums. We are back in the 1966 Adam West Batman this week. We got two fantastic episodes with one of the most well-known characters from the series, a character that was created for the series. We got introduced to one of the other ones, King Tut, last week, which was so much fun. Great, great character. (laughs) And we got another one this week in the famous bookworm who might be even more famous than King Tut just for the fact that King Tut was in 10 episodes and Bookworm is only in these two. It is the only appearance. Wow. I know, right? It's the only appearance of this character. And if you you asked anyone who'd seen the show or anything to name, like, some of the villains on the show, they're going to name the four main ones. They're going to name maybe Mr. Freeze. They're going to name King Tut, and they're going to name Bookworm. Those are going to be the ones that are named. And which is crazy because Bookworm is by far the least used popular villain, like uh, or the least used best villain. I don't know, however, however you want to put that. Yeah, uh, which is very, sure. very surprising. Mm-hmm. But uh, great, great character, and I cannot wait to to talk talk about Roddy McDowell again, but not as yeah. the Mad Hatter this time format yeah as uh bookworm so i can't wait to talk about that in the main part of the show a little bit later on i gotta this this might be the most quotable episode of the (laughs) entire series this one other than maybe the first one right and there's like maybe one with the joker one of the joker ones but this this has to be like top five most quotable episodes at least that we've done so far if not the whole oh, show for sure i mean I, I i wrote down more quotes from this episode than i have for like any because it was just one after another just these amazing <laughs> little moments that were so funny throughout throughout both episodes so i can't wait to get into that um i have detailed stuff to get through that later but nice. we got to start things off we're going to talk news going to talk movies we've watched and then of course movie swap um, as we do each and every week. And also, we're getting there, Ian. We're getting there closer to getting our YouTube show ready. Um, the equipment's starting to come in. So once we get all those pieces, we'll start to figure out how we want to shoot it, how you know what we're going to have it look like, and, and some of that stuff. And we'll be able to put those hopefully up on YouTube within maybe a month, month and a half, a uh, couple months, something like that. And that's around the timetable we're looking at. Yeah. Um, but I'm really excited about that. It's going to be fun. I'm ready to get back into video again. It's been it's been a while since I've done a lot with video and and I'm excited for this. We're going to shift movie swap from this show over to the YouTube show and that'll kind of be our main YouTube show is us doing a version of movie swap. We'll talk about other stuff. We'll, once movies start coming out, we'll be able to talk yeah, about nice too, yeah. you know, new movies and we'll, we'll be talking about just our favorite movies. There'll be a bunch of different things we'll do on uh that medium of the show and it will shorten this uh podcast as well mostly just focusing on batman specifically and and really just that uh once that all starts but anyway that's a work in progress but definitely keep keep an eye out for that um as i'll be updating you guys on when we actually get to that point but anyway um starting things off with a little bit of news you said you had some news 
Ian? Uh, well, some had just come out like today, a couple hours ago. I saw apparently, uh, well, you know how J.J. Abrams uh, signed a deal with Warner Brothers. Um, there was right. talk about him doing, uh, I think, the next Superman movie and possibly oh, some other stuff like uh, Green Lantern. Because, of course, uh, Warner Brothers also has a deal with uh, HBO Max. Um, but they just announced today that J.J. Uh, Abrams is for sure working on three projects. Uh, one of them is apparently a, a series about the Overlook Hotel. It's not, you know, DC related, but oh boy, yeah, we're getting more of a uh, Shining uh, spinoff stuff, so that'll be fun. See, that's uh, the problem when stuff succeeds. Well, and yep. also that didn't even succeed. No, uh, what's the uh, Doctor Sleep did not right. make a whole, any which money, which is a shame because it was a really good movie, but it yeah, it, I still it need to see it. Bombed. It, you haven't seen? Gosh, dang it, Ian. <laughs> Gosh, I might have to add a new movie swap for this week. Good grief. <laughs> but I don't anyway, even have yes. that on your list yet. I need well, to put should. that on there. Anyway. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's one of the projects, which I don't, I don't know anyone who's excited about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be bad enough just to get more shiny, but it added that it's J.J. Abrams, so you know it's going to be just lost, but even worse. Mm, yeah, uh, probably but then, not great. But then the other thing he is apparently working on is a Justice League Dark uh, yeah. series, I believe, so... I, I've never fun. cared about Justice League Dark. I don't know about you. Not really. I mean, I like Constantine fine, yeah. but Some of the other than from that, it's not, as a team, no. I've never really yeah, cared. That, that's a property. And especially, again, not from J.J. Abrams. I, I refuse to watch anything from J.J. Abrams, Alex Kurtzman, or Damon Lindelof. They all suck. They've all burnt me too many times. I'm done. I don't know how they keep getting work. Yeah, but. yeah. You know what's funny? I saw someone post a thing on Twitter no, uh, maybe it was today. I can't remember. It wasn't. It was wasn't long ago. Where it was, it was just like one. It wasn't like a, a meant to be bad or anything like that. But it was like you know one of those things where it's like, all right, if you could only pick one, oh, yes. which one? And it was J.J. Abrams movies. It was like for, uh, it was like Force Awakens. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> Star um, Trek 09. Star the first Star Trek. Uh, Super 3. Eight. And yeah, Mission Impossible three, and I was looking at all that. I was like, this is like the peak of J.J. Abrams right here. These these movies are the like movies. <laughs> the peak of J.J. Abrams. Other than Rise of Skywalker and Into Darkness, right, right. But it, and I was just saying, I was like, that's like that's it. Like this is the yeah. big track record for the biggest guy in Hollywood. And look, well, I he, like he does I a like, lot of TV shows. Like I yeah. like Force Awakens, fine. I like Star um, Trek 09. Star Trek, the first Star Trek is fine. I, I enjoy parts of that. Some, some not. Um, oh sure, some it's of it's more just cringy. Yeah, awful Vulcan. Oh yeah, spot. oh that's terrible. But anyway, yeah. Um, you know, but I like it fine. But it's just like that's the that's the best. Like this is what this guy's done to where like it's what just it's just baffling that how yeah. somehow he just circumvented this whole thing and became the top guy. Without really doing anything, I, it's got to be nepotism and just who he knows. Because it's like you look at that and you're like, "How the hell is this guy able to literally, like, if he gets a deal with Marvel, he will have gone from every major franchise: Star Trek, Star Wars, now DC, and yep. then Marvel." And it's like not even going to those franchise, but driving them into the ground. It's like how many times can you do that? And Hollywood's still like, "Yeah, let's let's bring this guy on to the." spearhead our new franchise it's like no like at a certain point the boy wonder routine is done like it's weird i don't get it it's so Uh, weird and anyway it just it just hit me it just hit me looking at that where i was like yeah it's pathetic (laughs) 
I mean, like, it's it's okay, but... It's fine. It's better than, like, you know, Sure, I, I mean, know. it's better than, than a lot of directors, but, like, as far as being, like, the top guy, it's just, like, it's not really that great. And obviously, he's had a handful of successful shows, but... Right. Which I think is probably more, but... Yeah, he, he does more TV shows, for sure. But even then, a lot of his best but TV shows... But they all end up sucking. Like, they exactly. all start good and then just tank He, at he some is point. the king of mediocrity. It's yes. either mediocre or, like terrible like just you know driven into the ground like i don't get it yeah like i enjoyed the first two like season and a half of alias first season of alias is great sure um, it's a lot of fun and then you need to rewatch it but like the whole thing basically ends yeah like he doesn't like write the, 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 the season the first season basically has ended the entire story of alias and then by yeah. season two they have to change the whole thing and yeah. then basically make it just a regular spy show at that point. But and then, the, and then it's it's twist. still okay. Yeah, and then it's still okay. And then by season three, like, I don't know, four or five episodes in, I quit. And I was just like, yeah, it's just, it's not like a travesty, but it's just not really interesting to me anymore. No, like, it, 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 like from what I remember, it really went off the rails. Not yeah. surprising, because all of his yeah. shows do that. Because he doesn't write complete stories. We all know about right, his TED right, Talk right. about the mystery box. That's all he does. Right, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, does. but, um, but yeah, that was that was the big news. And then the only other news I wanted to get to was uh, was that Brian Dennehy died today. Uh, famous actor. That from, is, uh, yeah, you're right, you're right. I, yeah, I did see that. That was sad. Yeah, he was uh, obviously Tommy Boy, First Blood, yeah. the, the, uh, the father, the father and Tommy Boy. Yeah, First yeah. Blood as a sheriff. Those are probably the two biggest ones. Yeah, he he pretty much always played the villain in like most '80s movies. It's yeah. pretty funny, '80s and '90s. But um, yeah, great actor. But uh, yeah, he was 81, so you know it's yeah. I, I don't know if it's corona so related. He's so he is good as the dad in Tommy Boy. That is he, such... he's great in everything. Well, one Tommy Boy is to me one of the top five funniest movies of all time it's it's like my number three all-time comedy but like his role in that is i think underappreciated sometimes because he's only in the beginning but he has having to act alongside chris farley and having to be like that type of personality yeah but like as a grown-up i don't know how he but he pulls it off so well Oh yeah, he's so good. Like you totally believe that this is the father of Chris Farley, but yet you still take him seriously as like a businessman, as like a smart, you know, a smart guy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how he pulled that off, but I mean, he does. He, he did, he's great. He did that with so many of his roles. Where like again, he would usually play the bad guy, but he would never phone it in and just be like the the go. Like there's always some type of like the complexity or some type of like realness to him. Like, I don't know. He just had that. He was like a very sincere actor. I felt like a very good character actor. Except for First Blood. There's really nothing. There's really no other layer to him in that one. But even then, he plays it so well. Oh, yeah. No, he's great. No, he plays it fantastically. Um, No, that's a fantastic character. But But yeah, yeah, that was sad. Sad loss. But that's pretty much it, news-wise. Yeah, nothing going on. That's it. Just nothing happening. I can't think of Uh, all right. So, Ian, have you seen any movies this week? Uh, no new movies. No, Good I've grief. been rewatching. You haven't Dude, seen I, a new I've movie been... in like six weeks. I know. I've been rewatching old movies. I watched yeah, three no, in one fair. night. It was crazy. That's fair. I've I've been doing a decent amount of rewatching movies. That's the only reason too. I, I've seen you see a couple. I'm like, oh, I can't see too many. Or we'll we'll oh, never please. get to that. That's a stupid reason. <laughs> That's a dumb reason to do it. 
Uh, that, that, it just has with anything. I'm like, like, oh, I need to go out and see that. But like, I'm not renting a movie for like five bucks right now. I'm like, no. Yeah, well, you don't have to do that. Come on. There's plenty. Well, of some new to, movies. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty of places to do that. But anyway, um, I've seen. I saw four movies this week, and including Good Movie God. Swap. Uh, three new movies this week, not including Movie Swap, and they all have been in the past two days. Uh. <laughs> And they're all Nicolas Cage movies, so. Oh God, that's right. You're on that. Bender. Yeah. Well, the main thing I've been rewatching Community for like the tenth time, as I've talked about the last like three weeks on the show. I'm almost done. I'm like halfway through the sixth season again. But in uh, I think it's episode two of season five. There's one of the greatest scenes of all time, and it's where Abed, he's in a class that's called Nicolas Cage, good or bad. And the whole class is trying to figure out if Nicolas Cage is good or bad. And Abed, of course, is like, yeah, I can figure that out. He was in a class in one of the other seasons called Who is the Boss? Um, a, a class about who's the bo- the TV show Who's the Boss, trying to figure out who's the boss. And he immediately does. And the whole point of the class was there. there's no answer. But he figured out an answer and then ends up teaching the whole class. And the professor goes crazy, basically, from that. It was pretty funny. But... So it's kind of a play on that. Now it's a Nicolas Cage class, and he's so excited about signing up for it because he's just like, I've always wanted to know. And uh, so the assignment is to watch five Nicolas Cage movies in the next week. And then, and even the professor is like, and the professor is great. The professor of this class is, um, oh my gosh. Um, I know who you're talking about because he was in the TV show. His name is Kevin Corrigan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the professor is Kevin Corrigan, who who is a he's in like three episodes of the show as as a, this uh, he's the drama professor. He's a great character. He well, one Kevin Corrigan's great anyway, but he's a fantastic yeah. character. One of my one of my favorites in the show, even though he's only in three episodes. But he's the teacher, and so he tells him that, and then he says, "And be sure and and space them out." He's like, "Do not binge them." It's like space them out. You need time to process Nicolas Cage movies. So Abed, of course, being Abed, if anyone doesn't know the character, he's a, you know, this, he sees everything in pop culture, sees everything as a TV show, knows everything about movies, and that's all he does, that's basically his thing, and um, so he just goes into, like, this craze mode and just starts watching a million Nicolas Cage movies, and he's, like, has notebooks and binders and he's like drawing and he's like running string across the apartment into different things trying to figure out if Nicolas Cage is good or bad and so he comes into the next class and it's one of the funny scenes ever he just walks in the professor looks at him and just goes dear god because he just comes in with this giant notebook like looking crazy <laughs> and he's just like and he ends up just going nuts as Nicolas Cage and it's one of the funniest scenes ever and uh Anyway, I can't even explain it. I put it up on the Twitter page, at Review. I've been tweeting a bunch of scenes from Community. So you can check that out. Just scroll down a few days and you'll you'll find it uh, if you want to watch the clip. But um, anyway, so I started watching Nicolas Cage movies after that. And uh, started with oh, Vampire's boy. Kiss. I finally watched that movie. I've been meaning to watch that for a while. Because that's like, that's the one. Like, that is the Nicholas Cage of all Nicholas Cage movies. Yeah, I just know all the memes and, and stuff and, for me. And and it it is. It it like if there was a final boss of like Nicholas Cage movies, like it would be Vampire's Kiss. This came out <laughs> 
like a year after um, he did uh, Raising Arizona, and then he makes this movie, and and I don't know, Ian. I I don't understand. I I don't understand this movie. I I don't know if it's like really smart or the worst thing ever. <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't figure it out because there's no way the stuff in this movie was not done on purpose. Mm-hmm. But it's so mind-numbingly ridiculous and so dumb that I I, I, I don't know. It was, it's either brilliant and over my head or it's the dumbest thing ever. I, I, I don't wow. know. Same with Nicolas Cage. He's either doing this like sure. crazy, brilliant, obscure acting or, or he's just trying to be the worst actor of all time. And, and I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Because on the surface, it's the worst performance in the history of movies. <laughs> but but I but I think it was done on purpose. So does that make it good? I, I don't know. I don't know either. I have so many questions and there's zero answers. There's none. There's only one thing that's certain. And there's no actor on this planet that is worse at accents than Nicolas Cage. That's the only thing I'm certain of. He's the worst oh. accent actor on this earth. Yeah, he's pretty bad. Ever. Um, uh, speaking, Schwarzenegger, maybe, like, because he can't do that, any other accent. I've, I also watched Con Air last night. Oh, I finally watched that. That movie's fun. No, no, no. Don't be bashing it's, Con Air. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot, it's actually. It's dumb fun. Yeah, it's, no, it's, 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 it's dumb, but it's not as dumb as you think it is. It's, like, the, <sighs> the decisions that are made are fairly smart, at least as far as John Malkovich's character goes and stuff like that. Like, it's a fairly smart plan, and stuff plays out fairly logically for a movie this ridiculous. I don't know Um, about that. No, no, more does than you think, because it's overshadowed by the -the over-the-top stuff. Um, Well, the fact that he's like a... He's a decorated war hero, and then he gets in a fight with a bunch of drunken yeah, idiots yeah, yeah. in the right bar. Off the, right off the bat, it makes no sense. There's no earth. There's no situation where that plays out, and he goes to jail, prison for seven years. There's no. none. And no. they, they try and they try and address that, though, by saying, oh, since you're military and you're trained for this, then the, you, it's a different standard. And I do think that's true in certain instances, but in not when you're sure. – there's three people. With weapons. In self-defense. Yeah, in self-defense. No. That, that does not apply no. here. So I give, I give him credit for at least trying to address that stupidity. But yeah. it's it's it, there, there's there's no way to address it. But you let that go because you need the movie to take place. So it's like, okay, whatever. Sure, sure. Um, but I, I think he's a great like lead action guy. I, I enjoy watching Nicolas Cage lead an action movie. I think he's good sure, at it. I mean- He's got a terrible um, accent in that movie too, but yeah. yeah. That's where I'm getting to and why oh. I further believe that he's the worst actor at accents on the planet. At least as far as, you know, main actors go, he has to be the worst one of all time. Because it is Probably. just, either he's the worst one of all time or he does it on purpose. Again, I don't know. But it is, it is, it is so bad. Like, in, in Vampire's Kiss, he just talks weird. Like, he he's he's from Philadelphia, but he's talking in like this, not an English accent, just like this weird, faux. I can't explain it. I don't even know what he's talking in that movie. In this movie, he's trying to do. 
he's trying to do a like savannah louisiana plantation accent oh, but, and Conair. yeah but but yeah, yeah but he's trying to like do something else with it too that i couldn't figure out what it was the yeah, point terrible. being it is there's nobody in the state of alabama for sure that talks like that um no. there's very few people in the south anymore at all that try that that talk in any version of that type of accent he's trying the the smooth <laughs> southern accent doesn't really yeah. exist anymore it's usually grandparents at this point like my grandparents talk right. like that in like a not like not a country accent but like in a southern accent most yeah. people don't anymore um so again i don't know what he's trying to do it's it's horrible it's horrible that's the one part <laughs> of the movie that's the worst thing of all time but uh everything else was fun i enjoyed it i enjoyed it. There, there's there's enough big players in that movie and they all do a fun job i i enjoy watching john cusack play any little snobby kind of character <laughs> that nobody respects i mean that is like sure. pe- that that is perfect john cusack like right there typecast and he plays it to the hilt every time so he's great in that uh malkovich is fantastic i mean that goes without saying but he's fantastic as the villain awesome villain yeah, he's pretty good and ving rames is great too he's great in that movie yeah, too it's another villain. and then steve yeah. buscemi plays the psychotic uh freaking anthony hopkins Serial character. Killer. yeah he's and that is creep oh man he's great too especially yeah, the scene with him and the little girl sure. oh my gosh you oh, still yeah, don't even know great. what happens he either i don't know if he killed her or not i have no idea No, he didn't he- you see her at the end when, oh, as they're you? flying away. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, I missed that. Part. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I thought it was better when I didn't know, but uh. Sure, it, it should have left it. Yeah. He, everyone. Anyway, it was fun. I enjoyed it for what it was, a crazy action movie. I enjoyed it, and then I also watched. Crazy. I also watched Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, which is one I'd been meaning to watch for a while because I have a whole flash drive of every Val Kilmer movie. And oh, I forgot he was. I in just that. hadn't got to that. Yeah, that's my biggest problem with this movie. Val Kilmer, you have Val Kilmer, and you use him in like three scenes. Yeah, that's dumb. <sighs> that's so frustrating because he's great as his partner. Oh man. Oh, he's a partner. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's he's his partner, but you rarely see him. He's in like the beginning, and then there's a couple of scenes, and then right at the end, and that's really it. So that's my biggest hmm. complaint with this movie is you have Val Kilmer, and you barely use him. Nicholas Cage is phenomenal in this, but this is another movie that's just weird. I. I because it's, it's a weird movie. It's Warner Herzog, and it's this weird art film that's like put in a police procedural action movie, and it's over. Well, it's a remake mo- of of the Harvey Keitel version. But is yeah. it a remake of that, or is it a yeah. sequel, well, or like an, another version? I don't. I mean, it, I don't know. It's, it's based on it because you know a lot of the scenes are straight from the Harvey Keitel. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen this version. It's almost like a weird reboot. I don't know. It's 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 weird, but. It is weird. <laughs> it's this artistic, and it's like a black comedy at parts, and like a satire yeah. at parts, or like almost. Yeah, definitely, s- it's it's satire. odd. It's it's an odd movie, and it's above my level of watching movies for the most part. But I en- I enjoyed most of it. Nicholas Cage is just crazed. Like this is like peak Cage. Like as far as his sure. type of good acting in this as this crazy evil corrupt character. Yeah, it's pretty it just, awful. It works because you still enjoy watching him, even though he's just the worst human being you could imagine. It's like Uncut Gems, but way better. 
Yeah, it's like that. that. He's he's a character like that, where he, every decision he does is the evilest, and instead of like just the dumbest thing ever, it's like just the the most evil thing ever, or the worst yeah. as far as it's like. Despicable. Yeah, he makes like those decisions instead of just being crazy, like, or just being dumb. But it, it's that yeah. sa- similar vibe of a main character, and uh, and it's yeah, it's 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 bizarre. But it, but I enjoyed <laughs> it. It was fun. I thought it was good. I thought it was a good movie. Okay. Eve Mendes is good in that movie too. Oh yeah, I forgot she's in it. Um, but yeah, definitely an odd performance. Apparently, I was reading some stuff about it, and what uh, when uh, Nicolas Cage was asking Herzog kind of about how to portray the character, what he told him was portray basically evil is fun that's what hmm. he told him and so that's kind of how he goes about it and it's uh it's interesting but anyway see that so i've watched three nicholas cage movies and i haven't gone crazy so that's good might need to take a break though maybe i don't know there's so many more because pretty soon you're gonna get into like the <laughs> The post like <laughs> tax fraud bankrupt like I need to do straight to DVD movies. I've seen some of those. I watched Drive Angry a few months ago. That's right. No, that was I mean, bonkers, I'm about the, man. The more recent ones, like yeah. the really bad ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, hopefully not. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, that, that was that's what I've been watching this week. And um, anyway, so that's that. Uh, we can move on to movie swap now. No, enough, enough Nicholas Cage talk and. Uh, so the two movies that we watched for Movie Swap, I watched The King, the Netflix movie that came out last year, and then Ian watched the often forgotten Martin Scorsese, Paul Newman, and Tom Cruise classic, The Color of Money. And so since I just talked a bunch, Ian, we're going to start with you. Color of Money came out in 1986. Again, Scorsese directing Newman and Tom Cruise. It's a basically a sequel to The Hustler um, which of course starred Paul Newman as a as a pool hustler, and this is the same character. He plays the same character now, much later, you know, as an older older man. And Tom Cruise is the young whippersnapper, up and coming, cocky, great pool player as well. Kind of a uh, mentor, mentee type movie. And um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, well, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I I guess. Because, you know, as we've stated before, neither of us are big Scorsese, uh, Scorsese fans. So um, so I definitely enjoyed this. I, I probably might be my second favorite because, I mean, obviously yeah. The Party is my number one. Yeah, uh, it's it's probably my second, too. It may be th- second or third. This or King of Comedy are vying so, for yeah, that I second spot. Yeah, I haven't seen spot. that. So. King Comedy yeah, so, is great. Yeah, definitely, definitely my second favorite. I, I do want to go back and rewatch this after watching The Hustler because – I, 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 I have not that. done that yet because I have never seen The Hustler. I haven't either. So I'd be really curious because like I, I, I totally forgot that when watching it because it almost felt like I was missing something because like, you know, the very yeah. end, it's like, you know, him getting back to it. I'm like, this is weird for like a new character. But then if it's yeah. not a new character, it makes a whole lot more. So, yeah. So I definitely want to go back and rewatch it after seeing that. But now it's it's good. It's um it's different. I mean, it's different. I mean, it's Paul Newman being Paul Newman. Yeah, badass and awesome and, you know, just as cool as can be. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> this is like God. Tom Cruise is is he's good in this film, but he, oh my God, is he is he ever punchable? I know, uh, right? This, I mean, just the, the awful hair too. Like yep. his, his hair is ridiculous he looking. Wears and then a at the shirt end, with his name on it. Yeah, and then at the end, he's got the giant <laughs> collar and like 
Mm-hmm. He just looks like the biggest Guido. Like, oh, but but yeah, he's he's totally cocky, which is perfect for early '80s, you know, Tom Cruise. Oh, I can't yeah. think of anyone more suited for it. But um, and then the actress who plays his girlfriend is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget her name. Some very long name, uh, Carmen. Uh, but um, yeah, it's uh, Mary Elizabeth Manstron uh, Dionio. Donna, Donna, Donio? yeah, something like that. Manstron, yeah, she's really something good, something like that. Yeah, yeah, she is um, good. Yeah, so but no, everyone was good. It's um, yes, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like one of those movies that doesn't really have like a huge plot to it. Yeah. Um, Trish and then like it's it, older pool yeah. guy training younger pool guy. That's really it. And even then, like they like they they're leading up to was that Lang City uh, at the end, um, for the tournament there. Yeah. But you know, it's like them just going around to these like dives and pool cues and you know, hustling some guys. And then like, and then almost with like 45 minutes left is when they kind of have their breaking off. And like, um, when like Paul Newman goes off on his own. And I remember when that happened, I was like, where is this film going? Cause like, I didn't, yeah. I didn't think of it like being him, like getting back into the game and stuff like that. Like I didn't see that coming. Like I kind of think of it more as like the young protege is really the focus of the film. And it's all about like, getting them successful but so this was kind of different like approach to that which was kind of refreshing but uh mm-hmm. but it did come at the cost of seeing one of my least favorite actors of all time and that's uh forrest whitaker um <laughs> really of all I, time i can't i he's, i just i can't stand him i've never <laughs> liked i've he's been in playing good movies but I, I i've never liked him in any like i, I think he was razzy worthy in freaking rogue one he was so bad mm. but um but a lot of people were bad in that one. But no, he's like yeah. he, I just feel like he only plays the same character, and I can never well, just yeah, see. Yeah, that's kind of true. But um, but no, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Like I, I liked um, the ending definitely brought it back because because uh, it's kind of like one of those movies where they're they're kind of they're not great characters. I mean, Paul Newman's okay, but he's still kind of you know a sleaze to some degree. But um, right, yeah, it's like when they're on the road and like uh, Tom Cruise and Carmen are fighting, and then they're just like constantly like trying to screw each other over i'm like oh god i'm like this is classic <laughs> scorsese that i don't like but then yeah. it, but then it brings it back um once i get to the end and i like that but um and i like the ambiguous ending which i'm not usually a big fan of but uh but no i liked how it, it kind of came back and it wasn't just like oh you know who screwed who at the very end it was you know i like that it was a little bit more sentimental than your typical scorsese film i guess mm-hmm. no I, I i enjoy that aspect too but this is just one th- this is one of those movies where again cuz i i have i have everyone has you know a fairly particular taste with things they like and don't like and sure. for the most part i i'm a big fan of you know story and how intriguing is that and 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 development with stuff like that and stuff making sense and stuff happening and a reason for stuff happening you know stuff going places right. but that does get trumped for me by characters if the characters are to a certain level and this is one of those movies for me once upon a time sure. in hollywood was another one i had a you know yeah, bunch yeah, of people yeah. complain oh. oh nothing happens and it's like that's true and a lot of times that annoys me but if you have nothing else to yeah keep right. you like invested yeah but if it's if i care about the characters that much and I, sometimes you just love watching the characters interact with each other and that that's what exactly. makes that one so great is just watching leonardo DiCaprio and brad pitt's characters interact with one another that's totally. the same thing to me for a movie like this where i just love watching tom cruise and paul newman interact with each other just the that whole time their their chemistry is so good in this yeah. movie 
And it is it does not get enough credit because Tom Cruise gets zero credit for this movie. Zero. Yeah. None. No one will mention him at all about this movie. It's all Newman. Like Rayman. It's all about Hoffman. It's the same exact thing. It's all Newman. It's all um, uh, Mary Elizabeth Manstrantino. It's 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 those those are the people that are brought up with this. Those are the people that were nominated for Oscars. Paul Newman won Best Oscar for this movie. Tom Cruise oh, okay. nowhere to be seen in any nomination for whatsoever for anything. But the other two are. It's like that's that's his whole career. It's been that. It's he's yeah. in all these amazing roles with other amazing actors, and all the credit is given to the other actors, and he gets none. And it's so frustrating for me as a big it fan is. of Tom Cruise, not just as like an action hero, movie star Tom Cruise, but also as actor Tom Cruise. Right. And and it's it's not hard to see why you know come two thousand he just quit trying to do any of these and it was just like sure i'm just gonna make action movies because i enjoy it it's all the stuff i like i know how to make them and that's what people that's where he gets credit is for stuff like yeah. that when he makes these roles he doesn't get any credit he, he has gotten nominated for three oscars so he's gotten a little bit with born on the fourth of july which is just the token oliver stone anti-war whatever yeah, movie I mean, that's going to get nominated for everything even though it's stupid of course and it's a yeah. terribly boring movie um and then for Jerry Maguire, which is a fantastic movie and a great, a film, great sure. role. Uh, and then for Magnolia, which is another one of those just art, artsy yeah, kind of weird, very Oscar weird. Bait. Yeah, movie that's really long and really boring and he has an ensemble crying. cast of everything. But he yeah. is phenomenal in that movie. I've heard that. His character is so – I can't even get through the rest of the movie. But he – like him, his character and um, – Magnolia is just the worst human being ever, and he is—he's fantastic. So he's gotten a little bit of credit with those three nominations, but never has come close to winning anything. And the fact no. that he didn't get nominations for you know this, he doesn't get nominated for Rain Man, all these other great that, roles, and it's just yeah, like a... it's just frustrating as a big fan of it Tom is. Cruise with the way kind of he's been treated by the uh, the the snobs of the movie industry. Yeah, is because it's like also like the the people who do win, like Paul Newman. And Dustin Hoffman, their, their their performances are elevated so much, and and they're probably easier because they're playing off his his yes. great chemistry. Yes, like if you put if you put freaking Jason Statham in there or someone wouldn't like even the greats like Hoffman and freaking um Newman would be like would have their work cut out against them. Where it's like you know they have to they have to go off of this plank of wood where Tom Cruise is giving them nothing but energy and stuff like that. So of mm-hmm. course they look better, especially in a movie like this. Where yeah. Newman is 100% reacting to Tom Cruise. That's all he's doing totally. the entire movie. Like he's Newman playing, he's doesn't have the role that he's played a million times before. Let's right. be honest. Yes, yes, he is. He's, he's great at it. We've seen. Yeah, I know he's fantastic at this character, but he is playing a very similar character, and he would have nothing if it was not for Tom Cruise. Everything his character does is based off of reacting to Tom Cruise. Totally. And it's just it's just not seen enough. But anyway. I, I really enjoy this movie, and it's I think it's a shame that it's not brought up more, if nothing else, with with Scorsese movies. Yeah, it's totally. just not, and I think it's I think it's one of the best. I agree. I'm glad I watched it. Very good soundtrack too. Oh yeah, yeah, classic '80s soundtrack. Yeah. Um, one of the coolest scenes of all time is a werewolves in London scene. That's just, that's one yeah. of my favorite movie scenes of all time, and it's been parodied a million times. But I I I love it. I think it's I uh, think it's awesome. I like the the opening with Phil Collins in the back. 
Yeah, no, no, I always yeah, like that yeah. song about just yeah him discovering Tom Cruise. Yeah, that is that is a great moment too. Um, but yeah. anyway, this movie came out in 1986. Um, it had a 13, uh, just under 14 million dollar budget, and it made over 50 million dollars in 1986. Okay. So it was a very successful movie. Um, it has a 7.0 on IMDb. It's got. Let's see. I can pull it up. It's got a 3.5 on Letterboxd. It's got an 89% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a 73% audience score on uh, nice. on Rotten Tomatoes. So definitely not appreciated as much by the regular movie-going audience as no, it is sure. from the uh, from the movie critics. Critics, yeah. Um, which in this instance, I think that is ba- that's you know usually outside with the uh, audience score for most things. But right, the, especially a Scorsese movie that they tend to fawn over like all yeah. the time. It's like what? Yeah, it's kind of surprising. But anyway, pretty good ratings for this movie, but definitely oh, under yeah. underappreciated, I think. I agree. I, I barely hear of it. All right, moving on. I watched much more recent movie. I watched King from uh, from last year. The story of uh, King Henry V. Uh, the young king came to power at what was he like? Age twenty four, twenty three. Became yeah, king, even, something, yeah, something like early that. Early twenties, really young king, only ruled for like nine years, and is considered one of the yeah died like at like age like thirty three or something like that, and yeah. uh, is considered one of the best warrior kings in history of England, even though he was only oh, yeah. king for less than a decade. And uh, and this movie was amazing. I'm I'm surprised I, you liked it that much loved this movie i enjoyed just about every part of this movie a bunch of people didn't like this movie very much um, i i know I, I saw that afterward i was like what most people think this movie is just okay which i get i know. I, I i get it but i didn't thing- but it did, but all that stuff didn't bother me it, it's not accurate for crap that's one of the things that a lot of people complain no. about but that's always the sure. case with any historical but, movie but also yeah, what I've also seen is like people not even bring up the accuracy. I've seen a lot of people who just can't get behind Timothy Chalamet's performance or the Robert Pattinson's performance. And it's like that's what like they just jump. Like I, I've seen a lot of younger girls who only watch this movie because of those two actors, sure. and then they see the movie and they're like, "What is this?" It's like, of course, it's not going to be some freaking I don't know romantic comedy with Robert right. Pattinson and Timothy. Like, did you not see the trailer? But yeah, I don't. I don't get all the hate. Yeah, no, and I I get that. One one of my few complaints. There are scenes when I don't believe Timothy Charlemagne at all. Like the, like the biggest, the biggest one was the final battle. It's tough. That that's a that's a little tough to to swallow. Um, like him, like being able to survive. Yeah, or, yeah. Okay. him just going through, just mowing through all these guys. Well, We've but seen they him- do actually. But they do actually do do a good job of explaining it with the whole like lighter and not fighting with armor. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, they they do. But I know what you're saying. Watching that was the first time really in the whole movie where I was sitting there and I was like, eh, I I've got to suspend a little bit of disbelief for this because I've seen him shirtless and he doesn't have any he doesn't have an ounce of muscle on him, and so it's no, just I mean, kind of like a, he has a body I had in like middle school. Yeah, that was a little. That was a little rough, but everything else, but the especially the not, yeah, especially the non-action stuff. All the acting, I think, is phenomenal. I think that the kid yeah, is uh, incredible. 
in this movie. Yeah, like physically, he's not intimidating whatsoever, so it's hard to get behind that. But like the the looks he gives, but like the way he's he... able to get around that most of the time, just by the way he's acting in each scene. Like yeah, his, like his presence commanding. in this yeah. movie is incredible, especially with the yeah, lack like... of physical presence that he has. The the right. way he makes up for it in most almost the whole movie with just his face is yeah. outstanding. And like, I like how they, they, again, like, as I said, when I recommended this movie, it's like, uh, Henry V is such a romanticized character that like, I like how they made him more brutal and just kind of darker than like probably what you would have to be to survive in a time like that. And also to thrive in a time of war and stuff. So like, you know, when he orders those two of his nobles to be executed and, I love the way he does it, where he's like, no, tomorrow you'll be busy having your heads cut off. It's, like, mm-hmm. just, like, completely ruthless. But, again, like, not evil. And, and they kind of, you know, go through that with the movie of, you know, Joe Edgerton's character kind of talks about it later on. But, uh, but no, he's great, I think. Yeah, I, I, loved, I loved watching him in this movie. Right from the beginning when, you know, he's just kind of the whatever prince and doesn't really care about anything, which yeah. is a classic character we see in every movie. Um, sure. But, uh... But but it's for diff- a different reason than for most movies. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Like he doesn't care because he's totally against everything his, his that the king is his uh, his father is doing. He's totally sure, against he, everything, he, so he, he wants that. nothing to do with it. So it's it's different than just oh I don't want to be king. I'm want to do other. It, it's more I don't agree with any of this, and I think it's all wrong, and I don't want to be a part of it. Um, yeah. So I like the reasoning behind it more. But even when the messenger comes in, he's like, "Your father wants your present." He's like, "No." And, yeah. and he even's like, just just the way he's talking to him, already you immediately buy his this this guy's presence as being one of like authority and 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 like leadership just from like that scene alone, with the way he talks yeah. to the adult messenger. Yeah, um, like I think about when he, like I think when he goes to finally see his father on his deathbed, and like the archbishop is like, "No, you should leave him alone." And he just like tells him he's like, "Leave," and like doesn't yeah. even look at him. I'm like. Again, this guy's what, maybe five eight, and I'd be like, okay, yeah, like, I get out of the way too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, another one of my favorite, just little acting moments that he does is, uh, which is the same thing. Again, everything that's so good with with uh, Timothy Charlemagne's performance is is the uh, the the facial the facials and the just the body language, just the demeanor of authority that he's able to exude throughout the whole movie. Yeah. But when he's a uh, when he's trying to save his younger brother, who I loved, be I loved seeing that guy because that's the guy oh, from yeah, 1917. Oh yeah, from uh, 1917, yeah. Which was great. As soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, oh, there, there, there he is. Uh, yeah, I, he, I he dies and everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Spoilers. Um, and off screen too, which is kind of a shame. Um, yeah. but uh, you know, when he's trying to save him, so instead of doing the battle, he is just gonna fight Hotspur. Who that guy oh, was yeah. awesome too. That guy who played yeah, Hotspur from, uh, was great. Dunkirk. Yeah. Is he? Okay. Yeah, he's, okay. he's a freaking yeah, yeah, kid yeah, on the yeah, boat. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I knew I recognized him from something. Yeah, you're right. That yeah. that I liked that character a lot. I was kind of ashamed. I was kind sure. of disappointed he died. Um, sure. But you know, die. and he fights him one on one. And that guy's clearly he's like that guy. You believe bigger. right off the bat. He's bigger. He's you know, all this veteran. And uh, you know when they're squaring off about to go at it, and he the way he just like unsheathes his sword and throws it to the side yeah right off the bat i'm just like that was awesome like i rewound that a couple yeah. of times that's one of those little things it's that, like, glorified you, can't, you it's... can't teach that that's just being a great actor like that that's just yeah. being in the role so much 
that everything else comes out. And so right off the bat, because th- this should be ridiculous. And I saw a lot of complaints where it's like, oh, yeah. And then you, he's like, you know, Hotspur is yelling, bring out the big dog. I don't want to deal with this younger brother. And then this tiny little Timothy Charlemagne comes sure. out over these giant guys. I saw that complaint a lot. Sure. And it's like, sure, sure. But then in that moment, you forget about that. Just totally. with the way he prepares for the, the face-off right there. Like, it is awesome. That, that that moment stuck out to me probably more than any other in the whole movie. Yeah, was just I that totally little agree. moment there. Um, And that battle was great because everything that happens is logical. He's overpowered a lot by the other yeah, guy. No, like, and, and he has to win by basically, you know, outsmarting him with using the dagger and stuff like that. So I thought that was really well done. Um, yeah, the, the the thing I love about this movie is that it maybe the first time other than like a, a movie like A Knight's Tale, but like more battle related where armor finally matters. You yeah. can't just shove a sword through someone's steel plated breastplate. It's right. like, no, it's you have to use either like mallets or hammers or knives and get through the chain mail. It's, I, I, yep. I love that, especially later on in the final battle. But, but but yeah, you see it early on where it's like. They're not just like cutting through each other like butter with swords. It's like yeah, no. I mean they they'll knock someone in the head and they fall to the ground and they right. get right back up because they have a helmet on. Like yeah, and then also you get winded. I mean like you're wearing yeah. sixty pounds of armor. You're gonna be oh you're no, be it's tired. it's heavier than that. Yeah, it's, you're gonna be you're tired. wearing hundreds of pounds of armor. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna be tired by the first guy you fight, and it's mm-hmm. like oh. And half the time they're like doing jujitsu. They're wrestling with this armor yeah. on, and you're like. And in that, especially in that one, that one fight with um, Henry and Hotspur, they're fighting and they're rolling on the ground, punching each other and fight. And then they get up and they're just dead. And you're like, oh, yeah. well, yeah, I mean, because I know I, I've done I did jujitsu for over a year and th- we're not wearing any armor and you get winded immediately fighting like that. Like oh, yeah. any type of all- grappling stuff. I mean, that wins you faster than boxing does. Or, or in the army when you're carrying a bunch of gear and then you yeah. have to run to cover. And like the, the first time you run to cover, you're already tired. It's like, <laughs> oh, great. Now I have to win this battle too. It's like, oh, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, yeah, you know more than I would about wearing all this stuff. But uh, sure. that was, yeah, it was, it was great. It, it was awesome. Um, Joel Egerton's great. I know he's not a real character. He's like a mix of a bunch of stuff, but I enjoyed watching him. He's based him. on the Shakespearean character. Right, right, may, right. may right. not be real, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I enjoyed him. Uh, he was a lot good, of yeah. fun. Uh, He's a hard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he is. Um, Sean Harris is great as always. Yeah. Always being Bowman this kind of creepy guy. Like he, he kind of plays the same character, but it works. Um, yeah, I mean, with that voice, he kind of. Yeah. yeah, he's just so creepy sounding. Yeah. Um, obviously, Ben Mendelsohn is always great. You know, as, as the king. Um, sure. uh, they throw in Lily Rose Depp there at the end as as oh, his yeah, wife. Oh yeah, from uh, Jojo. Uh, yeah, no, 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 oh, Li- uh, no, no, Lily Rose Depp, not his, yeah, sister, his wife at the yeah, end, yeah. yeah, and she was good as yeah, the, yeah. as the, the French wife there, um, and then, yeah, the, Tom, uh, Tomasin McKenzie, I think is her name, that, the girl yeah. from, uh, then that's the girl Jojo from Jojo Rabbit, Rabbit that plays yeah. his sister, yeah, and she's only in, like, one scene, but she's good, like, all the even smaller characters are a bunch of people you've seen before, and are all good right. actors, and all do a great job at, uh, just helping with the whole world and, and the whole feel of the movie. And then you got Robert Pattinson, who's by far the worst part of this movie. And Oh yeah, no, for sure. With how good everyone else is, I, I he's he's doing like a Nicolas Cage performance. Like like where he's trying something and it doesn't 
It doesn't fit with the movie whatsoever in any way. Um, and, and I know it was done on purpose. Sure. And, and maybe some people enjoy that, that change. Um, and, and some of it's fun, you know, obviously hearing him just insult him and stuff is, is, is amusing and is fun, but it's, it's, it was kind of dumb to me. And obviously he's doing the worst friend accent in the world. He's, that's another Nicolas Cage part where he's just (laughs) doing the worst thing. And and that's kind of surprising with how good of an actor Robert Pattinson is. Well, it's funny that they're having how bad it is. Yeah. It's funny that they have Timothy Chalamet, who's of French descent and speaks French be the British king and that Robert Pattinson is the French king, which is ironic. Yeah. And yeah, you, you hear that a bunch because Charlemagne, they highlight that a lot because they have him speak French all the time, which watching that, I'm like, okay, he has to speak French for real because there's no way they would just randomly have him speak French in scenes that he does not need to speak French unless they were highlighting that. So I did think that was fun. But yeah, Robert Robert Pattinson's ridiculous. (laughs) And then even at the end, he just, he's literally a joke by the end. Um, which is fun. I mean, that was a fun, that was a fun moment. That that I actually like because that was kind of I think good like um subversion when you're like oh, okay yeah, here's yeah. the final battle. It's like no, it's like no he's slipping in the mud. It's yeah. like because again we uh, you can't wear full suit of armor in mud. Right. No, I enjoyed that. I I liked yeah. I liked that part. But yeah, as far as the character goes, there's just mm, it's eh. pretty evil. Uh, what he does with the uh, the little friar boys is pretty squire boys. I mean, uh, it's pretty awful. Yeah, no, yeah, no, that is, uh, yeah, that was, that, that was pretty, that was pretty brutal. You really want to see him die there. Yeah. But, um, but no, I mean, he's fine. He's, he's not horrible, but, um, no, but I like this movie and I, and I get other complaints because this movie, nothing happens. It is one of those movies where nothing happens. But Up until I they get to France. But I know. didn't care. Like I was still interested in everything else. Throughout yeah. the whole movie, I was interested in all the in the the little bit of politics they get into. I was interested on him having to solve all these problems. I enjoyed all of that much more than yeah. I thought I was going to. There's only two action scenes, really. There's yeah. the fight with Hotspur, and there's the battle at the end, and that's yeah. I mean, pretty and they have the they have the siege, you know, where they're trying to take the the yeah, castle. But that, but you're it's just not like anything happening. Uh, yeah, it looks great though. Oh, it oh, yeah. That, well, that's the other part I wanted to talk about this movie, and we need to stop because I've been talking about it for too long. But I know it, but uh, it's, a, it's beautiful. It is, it is so beautiful watching. I don't know how much CGI is used in the movie. Not a lot. Um, but just uh, I don't know where they shot it either. But wherever they shot it is just fantastic. Like. Prague parts of a it looks beautiful the locations are beautiful natural lighting which helps so much yeah the lighting is incredible it makes it so much more believable yeah the the production design like just the costumes and the sets are awesome looking it's mostly real sets like you can feel everything in like when they're on the ship like sailing across the sea I'm like that does not look like a, a bunch of cgi ships in the background that scene looked kind of weird to me. That looked a little, really? yeah, yeah. There was a couple of shots that looked a little weird with that one, uh, but uh, I didn't see it. But um, no, but yeah, but most of that looked good too, and uh, yeah. So it's it's just nice to watch practical movies that oh, are okay. shot beautifully, like for real, because um, it's just so rare now that movies are actually <laughs> shot. They're all created afterwards, yep. so it's just nice to see. And then yeah, and then the final battle is just awesome, and uh, I, I I love how it how much it immerses you 
in the oh uh, yeah in the battle because the camera it's almost like just one long take following timothy charlemagne as he's fighting in this battle like in and out of people down in the mud up back like just the way it's doing all that i i thought was more immersive than you almost ever see at least in medieval uh war films um oh for sure i mean i just i like how there were stakes to it because you have the whole like joel egerton is like mm -hmm. you know he 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 comes with a plan to have the false advance is like you're basically having to watch like a third of their army being slaughtered and it's yeah. like but then the fact that he's in there he's like the only character you like like the whole the part where right before the cavalry charges and it's just like he shows all the armor plated uh, englishmen and they're just like breathing into their their uh like face masks and you just tell how nervous they are it was like oh mm -hmm. that's that's what gets me yeah and i love yeah. that yeah that is that is great and then like yeah it's just like it's brutal like just the way they clash in together mm -hmm. and like they're all just crammed and, yeah, together and like you were saying like nobody dies right away because they're no. all wearing armor like it Other takes than the arrows. a lot to, yeah. to to kill someone and Again. i love how many times you see people drown them like that yeah, happens totally. several times it's like that, that was happened. awesome yeah, that happens. That happens in real life. You you get yeah. drowned. You get you get uh, trampled. You get suffocated. Yep. It's all and, and real. Yeah, the part where um, uh, Joel Egerton's character is literally just like being crushed by like the two armies coming together. Yeah, that's what happened to the Frenchmen. They they, they literally got crushed because the the, the yeah. army kept advancing and the guys are stuck on the front line. Like, no, we can't move. Yeah, I know. I because uh, that's one of those things where my dad always says whenever it, it, whether it's watching Lord of the Rings or, or Braveheart or any of those like medieval type you know sword spear armor battles sure he's every time he's just like these are so dumb there's no way anyone lives how does anyone survive one of these battles where it's just free swinging like that type of thing like how do you survive a battle sure. like that and i don't know i thought and especially watching this one how do you know especially with that beginning with the two when they send the, third of the army how yeah. do you know who's who I don't know. Not only are they all in armor, but they're all muddy. They're all covered in mud. So even yeah. if they have markings or whatever, it, they all look the same. Yeah, I don't know. I think at a certain point you just start swinging. Right. right. So that's why it's. I, I loved all that. They they captured all that really well. I thought. Oh they yeah. Did a good job. Anyway, need to stop talking about that movie. Uh, the movie came Great out battle. last year. Netflix is Netflix movie. I really enjoyed it. I think it's definitely worth watching. Oh yeah. Um, this movie has a 3.3 on Letterboxd. Again, does not get enough Criminal. praise. It has a 7.3 on IMDb. Still and low. it's got a 71% uh, critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes and an 83% audience score on okay. Rotten Tomatoes. So, yeah, decent decent scores. But I really liked it. I really, really enjoyed it. And this glad. is one I definitely want to watch again. Like, I liked this better than Outlaw King. Oh, um, me too. By, by a decent bit. and I really And I enjoyed Outlaw King. But uh, now, this one, like I've watched it a couple of times. And I just like it more and more. Yeah, I, this is definitely one I'll be rewatching. So highly recommend. Cool. That. All right. So now again, whole hour talking about everything no. other than Batman. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Now we got it. Now we got to talk an hour about Batman. Because well, first we got to pick our movies real quick. Oh, shoot. You're right. I just, I've got I just mine. exited out of everything. Um, <laughs> oh, nice. All right. Hang on just a second. I got to get a gotta pull this uh but just make it easy just have me watch a doctor sleep or whatever no I all right pick, i gotta pick pick something i forgot i had i, I already had something in mind you want me to pick mine while you uh while yeah you yeah stumble? yeah yeah go ahead uh well while watching uh the color of money the scene at the end where uh tom cruise and uh 
Paul Newman are, are battling in their pretty impressive game of pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that got me thinking of uh, another pretty cool like uh, competition showdown movie that I saw came out a couple years ago. Kind of a independent, um, not foreign, but like it was made by um, a lot of foreign companies. But I'm going to have you watch a movie about the rivalry between Johnny Macro and Bjorn Borg. Oh. At the 1980 Wimbledon Finals, uh, I remember Borg that Ac- thing coming out. I had that on a list at some point. I think it was on yeah. Amazon or something. And uh, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I never ended up watching. I didn't realize. I didn't realize it was a movie. I think. Yeah, it was kind of confusing. I didn't realize yeah. it was like a, a a biopic. Yeah, it was a weird, uh, weird marketing. But no, I saw it on plane coming from Germany, and I really liked it. Um, it's some foreign actor playing Bjorn Borg, but then it's Shia LaBeouf playing uh, Johnny Macaro, which is perfect casting um, <laughs> for anyone who knows uh, Johnny Macaro back in his heyday. But uh, no, it's a, it a really interesting movie. And um, that, is I, I, per- I like, that is perfect casting. I like tennis. I'll watch tennis every now and then. But um, but the freaking the, the final match they had between the two of them, I think goes on for like half an hour or something. And the way they yeah. shoot it is like, it is pretty awesome. So yeah, I'm going to have you watch that. And it just shows like they're how they're, different upbringing and how they like approach, you know, perfectionism and competition differently. It's, it's interesting. Okay. No, I'm down for that. My dad's huge tennis. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, huge he, tennis person. he played, uh, played tennis for a year. I think he maybe hasn't played in a couple years now, but he's played tennis his whole life. Huge fan of tennis. Not, not really now. He hasn't really been a fan of tennis in probably 20 years, but sure. in the eighties, man, huge tennis watcher he's he's yeah, the, he's the biggest thing, jimmy connor's fan and uh him and mac Rowe were the huge that was the big that was big rivalry too um, oh sure to be honest i thought that was a bigger rivalry than mac Rowe, bjorn borg i thought yeah uh, i don't know that much about tennis but i'm i thought jimmy connor's mac Rowe was a bigger um bigger rivalry but bjorn borg was the other one those were kind of the three those are the big three in the 80s were the best right. best tennis players for sure um yeah anyway but yeah no that no that sounds great that, that sounds like yeah, a, no cool. that sounds good I'm, I'm i'm excited about that that'll be fun all right all right so what i'll watch uh borg versus McEnroe. um and what you are going to watch is a movie that nobody knows about but i think okay. is really really good and it is a movie called the sultan sea came out in 2002 Val Kilmer led movie and he plays a very I, I very interesting character his uh his wife gets murdered and so his whole life turns into basically revenge where he is trying to track down the people responsible but to do so he immerses himself in the uh like meth tweaker culture where it came out of like for real like he becomes an addict and everything and lives in this world for like a year um trying to figure everything out and uh you got amazing uh, well that goes without saying an amazing performance by val kilmer as this this guy a very odd look he's covered in tattoos he has like like this weird spiked kind of punk like faux hawk mohawk hairstyle it's it's very different look than from Val Kilmer's ever looked before you get an amazing performance from Vincent D'Onofrio as uh, one of the main drug drug guys Luis Guzman has a good performance Uh, Peter Skarsgård is in it there's there's a lot of kind of character actor 
uh, names in it. Dan- Danny Trejo makes an appearance. Meatloaf makes an appearance. There's a there's a lot of kind of character actors in this uh, movie. Very low budget. No one knows about it. No one has really seen it. But I I've watched it because I've watched a bunch of Val Kilmer movies. And this is as far as the uh, underrated Val Kilmer movies. I'd put this right up there with um, probably any other of the uh, okay. lesser known Val Kilmer movies. So definitely an odd yeah. one. It might be tough to find. I don't even know if you can find if it's even available. Digitally, I haven't even uh, looked, sure I'll find but it. I have the DVD. I gotta hope so. <laughs> Hopefully, it okay. is. Um, but anyway, sure so that's what that's what that's what you're gonna watch. The Salton Sea. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, probably the one of the most out there ones I've given you for sure. Yeah, I've never heard of it. I figured. <laughs> if you have. <laughs> All right. So for movie swap next week, Ian's watching the Salton Sea, and I'm watching. Um, is it Macro versus Bjorg or Bjorg versus Macro? Macro? All right. Bjorg McEnroe. Bjorg McEnroe. That's what we're watching for next week. All right. Now, an a- over an hour in, we're moving to Batman finally. So, talking two Batman episodes from the 66 Adam West show, and it's The Bookworm Turns and While Gotham City Burns. Those are the two-parter. Again, they introduced the bookworm fantastic character very underutilized because these are the only episodes he is in but boy does roddy mcdowell make an impression and it's still felt to this day because if you ask any any batman fan knows who bookworm is like that's just you know who king tut is you know who bookworm is and he's only in two episodes of anything which is just crazy um yeah i wonder why they didn't use it more yeah, I I think it was just one of those where it just didn't work out because he's he was in a bunch of stuff yeah, um, around that time. I mean, he was in yeah. a bunch of stuff. He was in he did the Planet of the Apes in 1968. Yeah, he, might, he might have gotten too expensive, maybe. Uh, yeah, he he started to get pretty big by that point yeah. in the late 60s, so that probably had something to do with it. But uh, it is a shame because I think he he's even been quoted like someone people have asked him about it and he doesn't even know he's just like I don't I don't know why it didn't work out like it's just one of those things where it just you yeah. know didn't happen unfortunately too because uh, man this character is great. is great this is such a fun character and um we'll talk about him um a little bit more as we go along he he just like has this perfect level of like seriousness and just being completely insane that just fits this show yeah. perfectly. Well, yeah, he he's a perfect villain for this for this show. I feel yes. like I mean the the yes. whole like literary quotes and all the like the I mean his, like even I was even thinking I'm like he actually has a really cool like ability if you think about it to be able to like read uh-huh. any book in seconds and retain all the information. I'm like that's actually really valuable if you think about it. I'm I'm getting to that. I got more. Oh, okay. I got a bunch of stuff. I took a bunch of notes for this episode. Um, but anyway, Ian, you want you want to kind of start with the brief. Kind of how this this uh, story gets gets started. Well, it starts off different than pretty much any episode we've seen so <laughs> far, I, it, which is is an understatement. But it was definitely a nice uh, breath of fresh air. It starts off with some type of like ribbon cutting ceremony at a bridge, like they're oh, unveiling well, they, a new. They built a new bridge, I guess. They built a new bridge. Yeah, I mean, like uh, uh, it's clearly a map painting, but um, right. Regardless. <laughs> Regardless, so like, um, so like, uh, uh, Commissioner Gordon is there, TV crews are there, I think Chief O'Hare is there somewhere, and um, and it actually shows freaking uh, Bruce and Dick at home right. watching it on the news, and it's right. not like your typical, you know, crime happens and Chief and Gordon call and 
on the phone and stuff, we see them doing something. No, they're like they're they're watching. Yeah. And now the news, they see a bookworm in the crowd and they immediately recognize him. And <laughs> okay, we gotta talk like, about that. They don't, just they out don't in public. see bookworm in the crowd. The camera zooms in to frame. That's true. Bookworm. <laughs> yeah. In, in, in the crowd, yeah, yeah. full costume. Yeah. For some reason, the camera is just pan- just right on him. It's very. And then, like he sees helpful. the camera, and he's like, "Oh, I need to hide." Yeah, like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, pretty, not very incognito. Yeah, it's pretty. Um, so yeah, so they're like, "What, what was he doing there?" And then, um, out of nowhere, he uh, he radios to one of his henchmen who's like on a roof with a sniper rifle. Yeah, and uh, just shoots Commissioner Gordon, who then falls off the freaking bridge. Yeah, it murders him. Yeah, so that's quite the beginning of an episode we have never had before. We've never seen a single person get shot before. And, and Bruce and, and Dick witness it live. Right. They're like, what? They're just yeah, like, so it, this... they're just like in shock watching this. Yeah, and, and then like Aunt Harriet apparently saw it too. She was like right. horrified. And all this different is like, TV. this is one of the few moments where you're like, okay, like I, I, I'm fine with like the overreaction from everyone because like they just uh, yeah. watched the commissioner get murdered on live tv yeah like in, in any like batman show it's like if you saw that like you would be freaking out too but yeah it's like you just do not expect it from this show oh uh, yeah um, i know it, it doesn't happen ever really in this show although you have to maybe i missed it do they explain how he didn't that wasn't him or yes you'll have yeah you <laughs> yeah, have to tell ba- me about that <laughs> batman says well obviously was a uh professional diver dressed up to look like commissioner gordon clearly because that's how he would survive to fall like that and at some point they do sure mention that. yeah because like yeah because you know batman and robin go to um the station and they're all there like grieving like i, I feel like yeah. his widows they were even like they're all grieving and stuff and chief o'hara is like you know talking about how he's gonna kill bookworm and then they now know where Gordon just walks in. He's like, oh, yeah, some cop giving me a parking ticket or whatever. Oh, so that's I, I that's so go. good, though. That's so great by Neil Hamilton. The way he does that, he walks in. He's so mad because, yeah, yeah, the commissioner just got pulled over by one of his own cops and given a ticket. <laughs> he's so angry in that he missed the ceremony. Like, he's so mad. It comes in, and then everyone's just lollying around, not doing anything, and he's just immediately jumping on everyone like, no, get up. What are we doing here? Come on. <laughs> and then they're all just in shock of because yeah. like, he's just – come back from the dead they all thought he had died so that was no i thought that was a great moment i oh, also no, thought was, yeah. i also thought the moment uh when batman and robin after they watched commissioner gordon die and they're they're like and even batman's like this is not the time we'll wait on the bat phone like we we're gonna go oh now. yeah yeah and just that that like little pause at the thing and he's like we will bring these criminals at like whatever whatever he says there i don't i don't have the exact quote but like if, you know if it's the last thing i do i'll get justice for this but that like that classic adam west bruce wayne moment where he just like stares off he he's not staring into the camera but he's staring right next right. to the camera and just yeah. you know doing that like super serious thing and it's like right off the bat i'm like this is why i love this show so much because this is over the top and kind of re- kind of goofy as far as acting right. goes but like i love it i love it oh, in yeah. this show i love that I love Adam West doing those things so much because I think of this not just as watching it now, but I also think of watching maybe not even a specific episode, but just of watching this character as a kid. And I'm just like, this is why this show is so perfect because as a kid, that's such a big deal whenever he does stuff like that. Like you take that so seriously. 
Well, he with, sells it so well, yeah. Cause, yeah, because he's not doing it ironically. Like, I mean, no. he's doing it for com. You know, he's doing it for comedy, but he's not doing it ironically. He's not. Usually, this show is not winking at you, even though it like in the script, the script is winking at you, but the characters aren't. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, but just that moment stood out where I was like, I I love that. I love the ultra serious. Bruce, oh, I do too. Bruce, Bruce Batman stuff like that, and especially in a moment like that, like you buy it. God, yeah, yeah, it's like one of the legit, like serious moments. At least the first couple of minutes. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah. So if you know, doesn't Commissioner Gordon's not dead? All that makes <laughs> no sense because that no, was for no they, purpose. It it doesn't. And do they anything. quickly move on from it. They, it's never brought up again. It, but, it happens I mean, for hey, no reason. It's, it's a way to way to start off and kind of differentiate itself from all the other uh, episodes. So True. I'll give them that. Now, to be fair, you in. pretty much everything that happens in this episode happens for no reason. Like, to be honest, yeah, yeah, almost nothing actually happens for any real reason until the very end. So, yeah. uh, but that's fine because you don't even care because you're just watching a bookworm and Batman and stuff like that. Now, yeah, we got to talk about the bookworm. Um, Roddy McDowell, we've talked about him already on the show because he does the voice of the Mad Hatter in Batman the Animated Series. My favorite villain, obviously, other than Mark Hamill and, you know, some of the big ones. As far, other sure. than the, the kind of top, top two or three, he's my favorite villain in the Batman Animated Series. And I love Roddy McDowell's portrayal of that character. And you hear a lot of that in this bookworm character, which I yeah, love. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, yeah. Not just the voice. Obviously, you hear the voice, but you hear the tone. You hear the enunciation. You hear, yeah, 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 the inflection and stuff. And you you hear this, and he's so he's so sinister. He is like this is one of the few villains, which is so weird to think of because of how goofy this villain is. He looks ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, he's wearing leather bound book covers and has a lamp on light. his hat and giant yeah. glasses. He's a goofy but character that reads books and quotes books. And he is one of the most serious villains we've seen on this show. Like, yeah, you, you at one feel point more he's... danger from this guy than almost any other villain we've seen. Yeah, because at one point he grabs a book and he's about to, like, smack a what's-her-face yeah. over the head with it. I'm like, yes. oh, my God. And, like, you believe he's going to do it. Books. <sighs> I inherit the wisdom of the ages. Every plot ever devised is here inside my head. Oh, bookworm, with a mind like yours, I wonder why you don't write your own bestseller. Shut up! Oh, don't you dare say that to me. But bookworm, I... No, you, 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 you're taunting me, aren't you? No, bookworm... Yes, yes, you are, you're taunting, mocking me! And why? Why? Because I have no originality, that's why! You forget yeah. that it's this show for a second. And you're yeah, like, oh I, my I, gosh. And then he looks I, I, and the I book is called that. like The Art of Self-Control, which is yeah. hilarious. It's perfect. It's um, you know, like the key to success, the art of self-control. Right. They just read the whole thing. Yeah, and uh but but another thing about this character and like the the outbursts he does are not yeah. typical for this show like normally outbursts happen all the time and it's goofy and over the top and, and funny right. almost 
his are not in this movie. It's oh. like legitimate. You think he's going to kill someone. If this wasn't this show, he would be ripping people's heads off. Yeah. And, uh, and like you, you buy it too. And again, he's not very big. He's this little dweeb and oh. ridiculous, but he's so big personality wise that it's, it's fantastic. And, and there's real danger that's conveyed many times. I thought in these two episodes more so than you normally feel. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's really surprising. But I want to talk about his character because um, do you think this was his only appearance because, A, either they couldn't get him for whatever reason, scheduling conflicts, or they didn't think it was a good idea to have someone who reads be a criminal? That hit me hmm. watching this because he's talking about all the books he reads and all stuff. And I was like, maybe they didn't want a villain who was all about reading because they want that to be good. Yeah, maybe. Because the point, like the message, be to read more in a uh, totally. in a show like this? So yeah, I don't know. You that, think about that all just the hit times... me. An unanswerable question. Yeah, that's a good point. You think about all the times like Bruce is telling Dick, like the like you know, reading and history, and, history and music and, and yeah, language. yeah, and you learn no, French and all right. that stuff. Yeah. So I was I just think thinking. I was like, normally that makes sense. You know. So I was just curious, but uh, another thing. So we you already mentioned that he can read read really fast. But, like, he can read faster than a normal human being can, like, turn pages. Oh, yeah. So, what I'm saying, this is the first uh, super-powered character in this whole show. Like, he's got a legitimate superpower. That's true, yeah. Like, you, that book is, like, a thousand, it's enormous. And not only is he reading it instantly just by rubbing the page with his hand. Yeah, he literally is flipping. Not even that. If you just took that book and just flipped every page as fast as you could, you wouldn't have gotten to the end faster than he did. So he can flip pages and read and understand them within seconds of like a thousand page book. That is a superpower, ladies and gentlemen. This is the first superpowered character we've seen, and you cannot convince me otherwise. Yeah, like, and I'm such a nerd. I'm like, I don't want that power too. It's like, so like, <laughs> flight or invisibility. It's like, no, I just want to read. Like, that would be my dad's like ultimate superpower. It's like, you do that already, one. Dad. That would be a pretty good superpower. That if you think about it, it would actually be, be really handy. Helpful. That would be really helpful, especially for a villain. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's I'm just saying, superpowered villain, superpowered superpowered villain. Um. Oh yeah, back to uh, back to the death of Commissioner Gordon. We got to talk about Chief O'Hara. Is just oh yeah, fantastic. He's serious too. He's so mad. Like it is. Oh, that is. It's weird to see. It's funny, but it's also like fits and jarring. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I thought that was pretty great. Um, another thing we forgot to mention is uh, so bookworm, or I guess not forgot to mention, but when when they're at the police headquarters. Uh, bookworm and his or his henchman and the the woman puts a book in the Batmobile. Oh yeah. And then later, this alarm goes off on Batman's utility belt, <laughs> and the Batmobile can detect bombs now that are in it, and and sure. then they eject it out of the car before it explodes. Now that book had been in there for a while, and it, oh, yeah. just now. Uh, they got notified of it like right before it exploded. So that was very convenient. Yeah, that was odd. No, yeah. That was very convenient, but I thought that was kind of funny. That That's a new thing we haven't seen. The Batmobile detects bombs that are in it. There's, uh, there's always new features that very we, helpful. we don't know about. Oh, very yeah. Very helpful. Um, 
another another good moment I thought was cool when they so they figure out uh, some clue about going to wherever the alley was and they're, they're gonna blow up another bridge and of course by blow up it meant put it on a projector on the wall it's pretty funny and then they have to climb up the wall and but it's too far to throw so they <laughs> we were introduced to the bazooka for the first time i'm pretty sure this is the first time it's used on the show or has it oh no was it used in the penguin episode that first penguin episode i think it oh I think it, it might have been. been i think it yeah. might have been well this is one of the early we haven't seen the bazooka a lot so we'll put it that way which is basically like a mortar like yeah just like a mortar launch, you just stick a grappling hook in it and just turn, just poof. And it's very accurate. Yeah. I mean, they hit it every time. They've never missed with it. Of course. Um, so they're very good with that. So they climb up the wall, and we get our very first guest appearance out of the window uh, in the whole show. First time we get someone opening <laughs> up the window as a guest appearance, and it's none other than Jerry Lewis. Gets to be the, awesome. uh, Gets to be the first one, which that made me laugh. That was That was very funny. Just seeing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, I, obviously that, that's pretty. Fa- you know, that's now it becomes a running thing from here on out, and we'll see this. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, you didn't know that? No, uh, I, I must have forgotten it. I, I know I've seen like the the random person pop open, you know, and talk to them while they're doing it, but yeah, I just it, forgot like it was a it, reoccurring it's a theme. Common motif for the rest of the show. Yeah, we'll see over and over again. Um, but this is the first time. First time it happens. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's uh. It's Jerry Lewis, so that's funny. Just, it's just pretty funny. Just seeing Jerry Lewis yeah. pop out and see Batman and Robin walking up the uh, <laughs> walking up the wall. Um, but anyway, they they see what they need to see. They find the bookmobile, and um, of course, they encounter a bunch of they encounter Bookworm and his his goons. And oh, we have my favorite part. And we get a great moment where they all surround <laughs> him, and then Batman just is like, "Ah, uh, excuse me." Uh, you guys have to remove your glasses. Your glasses! Remember, never hit a man with glasses. And then turns to Robin and is like, never hit a man with glasses, Robin. So they all have to take what? their glasses off before they start fighting. I love fighting. it. Cause, yeah, because they're all ready to fight. And Batman's like, nope, gentlemen, yep. glasses. And they're all just like, oh, right, of course. And they all take it off. And then, yeah, Batman just brings up this rule, never punch a man with glasses on. It's like, Oh, okay, <laughs> but it's like that's very considerate. I know. Oh, that was. I love. They do that later in the Batman movie, the Tim Burton Batman movie, where they have the Joker really? do that in the Belfry. Yeah, when Batman's going oh, after him, do. he he puts glass on. It's like you wouldn't hit a man with glasses, would you? And he just punches him in the face. Oh wow! Yeah, with the glasses, which I don't know if that's a callback to this, but wonder. Uh, I don't know if it is or not. Probably not with Tim Burton, but um. Anyway, that's I think so, that's I think so that's fine. But that was a great moment. That was so funny. No, was my favorite. The whole fight just stops, and it's like, no, sorry, uh, you guys need to take your glasses off. Like, oh, of it course. What, what were we thinking? Of course we do. It's like just like the the Princess Bride scene where it's like you know uh, Wesley is scaling up the mountain. And he's like, no, I'll wait. He's like, you catch your breath first. It's like that gentleman <laughs> before a fight. I love it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was awesome. Uh, so anyway, all the crooks end up escaping through this trap door that oh. Batman and Robin just don't want to follow there's like nah they're gone i guess <laughs> yeah really don't yeah they're not good at following into sewers it, and then that becomes the way they escape so we know they can get around in sewers so i don't know why they don't go after them but anyway well there's a girl tied up in the van which is of course the you know henchwoman for bookworm yeah. and uh 
So, you know, they see, and this is like the first time ever when Batman just immediately like, you know, you know what? She could be one of them. uh, He must have learned finally. Yeah, finally. And, you know, he sees, he sees through and already suspects that. (laughs) We get a great little dialogue with him and Robin where Robin's like, Gosh, Batman, those look like honest eyes. (sighs) Never trust the old chestnut. The crooks have beady little eyes. It's false. Like, <laughs> and like, when he says it, part? and when he says it, he's doing he's doing beady eyes, like as he's saying that. Which, oh, I even know that. <laughs> it's so funny, but just that line: you never trust the old chestnut that crooks have beady little eyes. It's false. Like, it, like oh man, it's like is that a thing? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. know. Yeah, yeah. That's what he says. I even put the subtitles on and everything. And uh, no, he, I know he does. It's, oh, it's so funny. It's, it's like, so funny, okay. and just the way he just is like. Don't trust that. It's false. Like just <laughs> that was just great. Um, it was. So then you know we do the thing where they they put her to sleep and they take they don't kill her they they literally put they give her bat gas and um, take her all the way back to the bat the cave bat to do a lie detector test on her and or, or, or a truth serum serum thing and so of course they find out she is one of them and doesn't know the plan or whatever. And then they bring her all the way back to the bookmobile, and then she wakes up, and then uh, they ask her, you know, what the plan is. And before she said she didn't know what the real plan was, but now she has this whole story concocted. Now, I'm just going to try and run through this. (laughs) Apparently, Gotham City has built a perfect replica of Independence Hall. And not only that, but the bookworm plans to steal the Declaration of Independence. I'm gonna steal it. <clears throat> what? I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. I know. Benjamin it, it Franklin me... Gates got the idea from Bookworm. What well, that made me laugh because I was like, I knew you were doing your whole rewatching Nicolas Cage I movies, know. like how appropriate. Well, not, and then re- we also... not rewatching, watching new ones. Well, yeah, but then that, that made me think of uh, of National Treasure. I'm like, Which <laughs> I'm like is what? That's... By far, my favorite Nicolas Cage movie. Oh. And um, no, I I love National Treasure. I think it's great. Oh, that's a good movie. I need to rewatch it. That is so funny. That literally, she's like the planet, and she like looks off dramatically, and it's like. He plans to steal the priceless documents there. The original United States Declaration of Independence. And Robin, like, rolls his eyes when she says that. And it's so yeah. great. Because that's what we're all thinking. And Robin just is like, oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's very meta. <laughs> oh, that made me laugh. I thought that was so funny. Both the declaration thing and Robin's reaction, which was fantastic. So, so now, but now I have more questions after she says, that's what his plan is. So already I have a question. So they've built a replica of independence hall for some reason. Um, (laughs) does this mean that the real declaration of independence is in the replica independence hall or is it a replica declaration of independence in the replica independence hall that then he was stealing? Either way, why would the real one be moved? And surely they would know Batman would not believe that the real Declaration of Independence would ever be moved. Um, 
I mean, I mean, if you're trying to lure Batman, I feel like you need a better, even this Batman, I feel like you need a better story than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's Again, a little far fetched. This, even for this, this isn't show. this isn't Nicolas Cage we're talking about. This is the bookworm. You know, there's yeah, there's crazy, but bookworm's not quite that crazy. Um. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was so funny. Everything about that scene was. was perfect, from her delivery to what was being described to Robin's reaction. Everything about it is amazing. Well, yeah, and, and the fact so that they much. take her all the way to the Batcave only to bring her right back to like right. keep up the the right. facade of her. Yeah, it's it's so out there. It's weird. Um. <laughs> so then Batman and Robin are like, oh, okay, you know, okay, whatever, and they go over to you know talk by the Batmobile, and we get another fantastic. I'm gonna quote so many things. I'm gonna talk about so <laughs> many direct quotes because it's just amazing. And um, so after she says all that, they 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 leave, they leave her in there. They they step out, and Robin just looks at Batman, or uh, Batman looks at Robin and just goes, another trap, of course. You could say that again. Another trap, and I intend to walk right into it. He says it again. That made me laugh so hard again. Because he's just like... Yeah, it was like straight out of airplane. I know. He's like, another trap, of course. You can say that again. Another trap. Oh, that was so funny. All that together was now. So funny. It was. It was an all together now moment. <laughs> and uh, that was that was great. But anyway, so Batman goes off to check out Independence Hall because he's like, oh, well, he's expecting that I won't know anything about it, so I'll be able to get it one up on him or whatever. And uh, Robin, stay here, because that's always a great idea. Of course. And uh, so Robin just, she's just like, oh, can you read me this fourth book on the bottom shelf? Doesn't even <laughs> say a title or anything like no. a normal person would say, just that fourth one over there. And Robin just agrees, moron, opens it up, there's gas in it, and he, you know, he's unconscious. Just like, okay, that's just dumb. So then she alerts. Uh, the Mad Hatter, I mean, okay. I mean, bookworm that yeah. the plant, you know, Batman knows, blah, blah, blah. Uh, then we get a great cliffhanger where they take Robin and they strap him into it like the uh, the, the the inside of a bell, bell onto yeah. the they say the word for it. The, what, the clapper, the clapper. It. That's what it's called. The clapper of the, yeah, bell. the scene in the middle. Yeah. And uh, that's the big uh, cliffhanger, which is a pretty good cliffhanger. So at midnight, you know, the bell's going to ring and it's going to squash Robin inside the thing yeah. and man that is an evil bookworm like when he's just monologuing about robin being up there like it is like chilling uh 60 tiny seconds oh farewell boy wonder adieu robin oh this is the last time that you will meddle in affairs of moment oh, i try to warn you <laughs> do not ask for whom this spell tolls it tolls for thee. It's like, this is this goofy yeah. character. But again, like we said before, like you believe this guy is like this Maniacal. vicious. Yeah. Yeah. Like it feels way more real, uh, even though the situation is just as ridiculous as any other uh, right. cliffhanger. It, it feels even more dangerous just because of the bookworm and Roddy McDowell's portrayal. Um, so oh that's yeah, really it's good. a pretty, it's a pretty gruesome death if you think about yeah, it too. Like yeah. being bludgeoned to death like that. Oh yeah, no, it's it's pretty pretty rough. So that that was really good. Uh, so then we go to the next episode. That's cliffhanger, and you have Batman going the wrong way, and he of course gets there, and the 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 police are already there, and we get a good police moment from Chief O'Hara. He's like, we scouted the whole place, and we couldn't find him. 
So Batman's Venom like, Police you know, actually do a lot of stuff in this one. They do. They're they're fairly competent in this. Uh, and Batman's kind of like, that's weird. So where where could he be? <laughs> and then they find out, you know, oh, uh, Robin's gone. You know, the, the police went to the alley and to pick up the girl or help the girl, whatever. And um, oh, he's he's gone and and they're gone. So they have Robin. And Batman uses the Mind Palace before Sherlock Holmes does in this episode where he's just like, oh, I just oh, have to right. think. I have to think back of everything Bookworm well, has said. There's a couple said. of Sherlock Holmes uh, uh, nods in this episode. There there are. they, they The book that it was blown up outside of the Batmobile, or no, the, the, that was For Whom the Bell Tolls, uh, which yeah. we'll get to in a second. But um. Also, it was the the fake police officer, the badge, so yeah, like Scarlet, AS, yeah. uh, AS Scarlet, and yeah. uh, with the Study like, red. eight uh, one eight whatever the year was eighteen whenever that came out, yeah. which is um one of the first uh it might be it might be the first Sherlock Holmes story. It is the first, yeah, yeah. I think it is, yeah. Um. So yeah, there's a few Sherlock Holmes, but yeah, no, he does a freaking mind palace, which they used in Sherlock. Um, they did. first where he's going back trying to do it and as he's doing that Chief O'Hare is trying to talk to him and he just snaps at him <laughs> but we know the bookworms changed his plan don't interrupt I'm trying to fathom the subconscious of a deadly criminal <laughs> oh that made me laugh so hard too that was so funny that was so funny one you rarely see Batman snap at all this Batman oh, does yeah, not yeah. lose his cool uh, almost never and that was just so funny with the way he just snaps at Chief O'Hare just don't interrupt <laughs> trying to fathom the subconscious of a deadly criminal that is a all-time batman great. quote right there uh so they find he realized that oh the 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 clue earlier with the book for whom the bell tolls oh and all that stuff uh the bell thing oh they they mentioned something bell as a he or something like that what's the one thing oh it's the wayne tower and big benjamin that is the name <laughs> of course of the bell thing it is the clock it's big benjamin Wonder where they got that from. Right. Uh, so that was pretty great. Uh, Chief O'Hare gets to ride in the Batmobile. I think that's the first time that's happened. As they, I think they you're speed right, yeah. To the scene. And then uh, we got another Batzooka. And Chief is, is helping with the Batzooka as they. He's actually doing something. And the plan is weird. Um, but yeah, okay, I'm now, still a little confused. Yeah, I'm going to try and see if I can figure this out. So, Please. one, there's like a minute left, right? Till midnight at the, at the cliffhanger. And, and they yeah, show Batman driving away. So it's been like 10, 20 minutes after that minute in real time. Um, yeah. And it still hasn't gone off. Then they get there and they say, oh, we only have mere seconds. But but yet, one, their plan is taking longer than that. Two, Batman is going to carefully explain his plan um, of how he's going to take both ends of the bat rope. Uh, and he's going to attach them to the positive side of the nuclear power source in the Batmobile because, and this is what he says to, to Chief O'Hara, because as you may recall from school, like charges of electricity repel each other. So the plan is to make the bell and the clapper positive electrical charges so they won't touch. <laughs> But but not only is that the plan, which is ridiculous anyway, he explains that about, taking about as long as I just did to Chief O'Hara while we apparently have like 10 seconds before midnight. Just takes time to yeah, just there, explain some... that whole thing. 
doesn't really make a lot of sense, but no, you know there, we had to Spielberg do it for the editing. audience. Yeah, <laughs> which was funny. Um, uh, and so then after they they do rescue Robin, they you know Bookworm and the henchmen they realize that Robin's been rescued and Bookworm just explodes with rage, just like out of nowhere on yeah. all of his men. Another great moment where it's just like, man, this dude terrifying, is terrifying. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that was another great bookworm moment. Um, uh, then he, he has a new plan and he's going to steal a priceless cookbook from Wayne Manor. And <laughs> he just walks right into Wayne Manor saying he's Literally, from yeah. the library or from the bookmobile. And, you know, Alfred doesn't realize, you know, the arch criminal bookworm just waltzing into Wayne Manor. Um, just lets him right <laughs> yeah, in and, and, you know, and, and it's right on top of Batman and Robin who are in the Batcave at the time, which I think is a kind of a cool touch when they get called from the commissioner saying, Oh, Bruce Wayne yeah, was, was just robbed <laughs> and, and they just look up. They're like, what? Yeah. So you got, you got, you got to feel a little inadequate when you do that. It's like, Oh, we probably should have been more on top of this. Right. Right. That was pretty funny. Um, so then they have to go out because there's a giant cookbook in the road. This is where it really gets great. Um, at some point in the history of, at some point in the past several months, Bookworm has commissioned a ginormous cookbook uh, made of metal and steel and whatever, and has like a functioning kitchen inside, <laughs> and has somehow gotten this into just the middle of the street with no one noticing in the middle of the day. Yeah, broad daylight, yeah. And now it's just there. Uh, so Batman and Robin get to it, and they open it with a giant pink magnet gun or something that Batman has. Of course, actually, it's being the thing's being Open controlled by, by the bookworm. Um, yeah. Uh, so they go in, and it's literally like a kitchen inside the cookbook, and apparently it has darn good soup cooking, according well, that, to the bookworm. Um, that was the part that made me freak out, because, like, how unironically freaking um, appropriate timing it is for what they what they say in, at that part. They're like, oh, it's right. time for bat soup. Yeah, like, bat soup. Oh my god, that, can, that cannot be worse, like, <laughs> coincidence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at, at this point in time, that 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 is, uh, has a whole different meaning. Um, uh, so, but then, of course, he closes it. Bookworm closes the book and traps Batman and Robin inside it and is going to roast them alive with steam. Yeah, like, like boil, boil them, them with alive, steam. Like lobsters, uh, yeah. So Batman is like trying to call the police. Um, he's finally, you know, he tells them they're trapped in a giant cookbook, which is a line that's just an all, another all-time great Batman line. Just <laughs> Batman saying they're trapped in a giant cookbook. Like that's just, that's, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> the police are actually helping. That are trying to open the thing, and, um, this, is it just me, or, like, did this feel like it should have been the cliffhanger? Like, like, this felt, oh, yeah, totally. like, the real cliffhanger, and I'm not sure yeah, why they didn't use this as the cliffhanger part, because I, I thought this was either. way better as a cliffhanger. I um, agree. But anyway, they're, uh, so everyone's trying to get out of it, they're, they're trying to get out, the police are trying to help, and we cut to the bookworm. And the girl who have taken the Batmobile, which was the plan the whole time. So this is the one, this is the first time in this whole thing where a plan actually matters. And um, they're heading to the Morgan Built Library. Um, 
to steal rare books, I guess, that are there. But apparently this is uncrackable, and it has defied <laughs> every burglar in the country. Every burglar in the country <laughs> has tried to rob this particular library. Uh, sure. Sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so anyway, Batman and Robin trying to get out. They end up getting, they, they get a radio call to Alfred at the Batcave who is reading them like schematics, I guess. Um, something like that. And the cops finally... Yeah, he goes to the anti-crime computer. Right, right, which is always great. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But the cops, like, finally they dynamite the door open. But then when they go in there... Yeah, they actually get it open. Yeah, they do. Again, the cops are pretty pretty good in this episode. But Batman and Robin aren't in there. They're gone. And the police, they don't think, oh, they escaped. They think, oh, they've been (laughs) consumed by boiling steam. Yeah, (laughs) And and that, that would just render you just... Oblivion. No remnant. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Uh, that was very funny. Um, so then the whole plan with the bookworm was to take the Batmobile and use the Bat Beam that could break into the the uncrackable library. So he's there with his henchmen. They they blow a hole in the library, and who jumps out of that hole? But Batman and Robin themselves, because they have escaped. They escaped through the sewer duct, I guess, where the steam was the coming out of something come, like yeah. that. Which I feel like wouldn't that boil you faster if you went into the boiling steam? But anyway, whatever. You would think. Um, <laughs> so they jump out again. All of the crooks remove their glasses first. They all give them to Bookworm. And Bookworm's like the dad with the little kid, and he's yeah, like, he "Here, give them. me all your glasses before you go out and fight." Which and he hides in a trash can, which is great. And then we get a nice, yeah. nice little fistcuffs where I. It, it seems like they're using different, uh, like, uh, little uh, uh, sound effect cards. Like, they look different than they hmm. normally do, I feel like. I didn't um, know that. But a uh, good, pretty, uh, pretty good fight there. And Bookworms is hiding in the trash can. So after they dispose of all the other criminals, they go over and they just, like, lightly pound on the top and the sides of the trash can. And it just completely destroys Bookworm. I mean, he's just unconscious, yeah. eyes crossed, tongue out, just like, blah, <laughs> sitting in the it's trash like can. like his head was pressed right up against it, I guess, yeah. <laughs> Which, that is just one of the funniest freeze frames you'll ever see on the show. That is fantastic. That um so they've, they've captured the bookworm. So then later, Bruce and Dick are in Commissioner Gordon's office. Not Batman and Robin, but Bruce and Dick are in Commissioner Gordon's office. He's, yeah. you know, talking about everything. And there, he has a donation for the prison library, of course. And then all of a sudden, he's just like, oh, we got the bookworm here. You want to see him? It's like, <laughs> yeah. wait, wait, what? So the criminals are just brought in to be shown off to Bruce and Dick like zoo animals. Yeah, when has this ever been done? I I feel like it's happened on the show before, like uh, another weird instance, but not like not like this. And and then we get a moment where Bruce outsmarts Bookworm with a book reference because the quote is from Don Quixote or and not from that's right. Yeah, he says the poet says, and he's like, oh, it's not a poem. And so that that (laughs) that's kind of funny. And that's that the end of the episode, but. Yeah, well, it's great. He's like, yeah, he's like, oh my god, you sound just like Batman. And as soon as he says that, like, Chief Hero is like, all right, let's get moving. Like, no, he, <laughs> like, he no, doesn't even say that. He says, uh, man, this guy's like more annoying or more uh, self-centered uh, or something than Batman. Or he says something. Yeah. It's not. It's not sounds like it's. It's like he's almost as arrogant as Batman or something. Something like that. But it is one yeah, of yeah. those. It's one of those but moments for sure. 
Yeah, it's just funny how he cuts them off before he can like dwell on that for right, too long. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, so that is uh that's the end of the episode. Man, a very bizarre episodes for sure. Very bizarre very, villain, but a very memorable but a, though. A great villain. It, it he is, is great. Man. It's it's so Roddy McDowell is just amazing in this role, and it really makes me sad that we don't see him again. It really does. I know. Yeah, like thinking that we, like, yeah, this is the last time we won't, like, we won't get to come back to it at any point in the other two seasons. Yeah, it's, it's not right. It had to be like he just got too expensive and they just couldn't work guess, it out. Yeah, I guess. But it is it is pretty sad. Um, but, it's, but it's awesome. We, we got this, yeah. and it is a great, great moment. Uh, great villain. Episode's weird all over the place. Most of it doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but you don't care because it has Cause, so many yeah, so it, yeah. many hilarious Batman moments. So many qu- great quotes in this quotes. episode. Just goofy, ridiculous quotes that are so funny. And and then obviously Roddy McDowell just kills it as a bookworm with just an all-time <laughs> performance for sure. Um, So we already said the bookworm, it is the, uh, the, uh, the only appearance... He would appear in the comics a few decades later in uh, the Huntress issue, issue number seven that came out in 1989 was the first time the character wow. was in the comics. But we've seen him in a few other instances. He appears in the Brave and the Bold, and he appears um, in the uh, Batman 66 comic book. We also see him in uh, Batman vs. Two Face with you know when they have that big collection of villains. In the prison, yeah, that was cool. we get to see a little bookworm. I don't think he speaks, but but they have him his uh, character does, his yeah. character design in there, which is fun. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of that stuff, a little bit of that stuff in there. But um, there's not a whole lot of trivia yeah, for this episode, so I don't really have a whole lot no. of any other things to any other things to add. It's everything else is pretty pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, and I was thinking like it, it sucks that they, this is his only appearance on the show because really. This is a villain that's not going to get used outside of this show, and yeah. so it's like it's, it sucks that it's not even a character like character like Harley Quinn that becomes adopted and everyone uses later on. It's like no, he could really only exist somewhat seriously in this type of TV show, and they even yeah. utilize him. I know, I know, I know. I, I agree. It is, it is unfortunate for sure. But um, anyway, oh another another thing I forgot to mention about the character, about kind of the motivation with the character is he. He's angry because, like, he even though he he has a superpower to read books and and he can plan crimes and and you know use knowledge from books and stuff to plan crimes, he can't write. He can't write. Oh books. yeah. <laughs> and and he gets so mad at the hench woman who who mentions that he, he that that was the time when he's gonna hit her like kill her. With yeah, that was like he was gonna hit her. Yeah. And it's just like that's a great like because you're sitting you're like why is you know why is this guy even a villain? It doesn't make any sense. It should be this brilliant yeah. professor or, you know whatever type thing. And it's like. He's angry, you know. He's angry. He can't write, and I don't know. I, I I thought that was pretty funny. I thought that was a good touch. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> but anyway, that's uh, that's these these episodes. Um, any any overall thoughts? Final overall thoughts about these two episodes, Ian? Nah, I mean, I think we covered them pretty well. I mean, yeah, it's such a great character and great job by by Roddy. That it's yeah, it's a shame. But at least yeah, we can always look back and it just shows you how good he is i even from these two episodes he left such a, a presence and is remembered as being one of the best villains in this tv show it's like that yeah. that just speaks a whole lot it does it really does um 
Yeah, and we'll get to see him again later on and as we go through the Batman animated series as well with some more Mad Hatter episodes. So won't be the last That's Roddy cool. McDowell yeah. we get to we get to do, which is fair. Um all right. Next week we're back in Batman animated series and we are in a significant downturn from the previous two weeks. Um, yeah, we were on a good high. Two weeks ago, we got Perchance to Dream as one of the episodes, my all-time favorite. Last week, we had three great ones with the two Robins, Robins Reckonings and the Laughing Fish. This one, not as much. We got uh, Night of the Ninja, we got Cat oh. Scratch Fever, and we have The Strange oh, yeah. Secret of Bruce Wayne. That's the one bright spot in these. The Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne is a very good episode. Yeah. Um, Cat Scratch Fever is not one of my favorite episodes. It's and iconic, but yeah. Night great. of the Ninja is just kind of okay. Um, yeah, I forget about that one. It's all right. Uh, it's got it, – it has – the Night of the Ninja, is that the one with the big volcano fight at the end? Or is that the the samurai oh, one? Because there's two. There's two of them that, that yeah, kind of I know. Are, are I don't know. I, know. I know what you're talking about, but I don't know if it's in that episode. I know. I don't remember either, but I, I don't think yeah. it is. I think that's the other one. I think that's the Day of the Probably. Samurai one. So I, never mind. Right. I was even about to say, I like that part, but that's in the other episode. Yeah. Don't even have that. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. That's so fun. we'll, we'll have, we'll have some fun with those. That'll be next week. Night of the Ninja cat scratch fever. And then the strange secret of Bruce Wayne, which has the all time great, uh, Joker line in that, in, uh, in that episode. So definitely stuff to look forward to in next week's episode. Oh yeah. Uh, make sure and follow us on Twitter at uncaped review. I, uh, tweet out all the show links and whenever there's new stuff i'll put that on there first um and also all the updates with the youtube show that we're working on um obviously there'll be updates for that when when that starts to get rolling on the twitter page as well so again at uncaped review uh, at uncaped review um you can follow me on twitter at marky mark brand you can follow me at Ian bart park so do that as well and yeah, that does it for this episode. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Mark. I'm Ian. Have a great week.